welcome to the WCAPS 5 podcast series. WCAPS is an online community dedicated to strengthening the leadership and professional development of women of color, specializing in the fields of peace, security, conflict transformation, and foreign policy. Join us as we unpack their valuable perspectives, learn from their strategies, and grow together. Vive. Vision. Impact. Voice. Engagement. I am the co-founder and co-director of the WCAPS West Coast chapter. I'm currently based out here in San Diego, and I have the distinct honor of moderating today's event. I am very low on the rung of hierarchy today. We are joined by some really heavy hitters in the fields of peace and security and conflict transformation from across the country and across the world. WCAPS has continued to grow over these past three years, and we're all just excited to be a part of what it has become. So without further ado, I am gonna pass the mic over to Jane Ree, who has a few words to say to get us started. Welcome, Jane. Hi, thanks, Jasmine, and thanks, everyone. I am just really glad to be a part of this event today and look forward to hearing what everyone else has to say. I just wanted to give, obviously, I mean, first and foremost, a big shout out to Bonnie Jenkins. I mean, it's really remarkable what you've been able to build over the, you know, these three years. And just the fact that in the field of national security, foreign policy development, everywhere we are globally, I mean, truly globally now, a lot of people know about WCAPS. They are super interested in the work that that is going on. And most importantly, I think just having a platform to highlight all the talent that you have surf, you've been able to surface all this great talent that has always been there. But I think, you know, having this additional platform for folks to show who they are, their roles, their their experience, and to be connected to each other. And for WCAPS as a whole to really be such a strong advocate for uh, women of color in this field is, is something that I think was sorely needed. And I think people didn't realize how much it was needed until WCAPS has came into being and then truly was able to show what a valuable resource you've been able to provide to the rest of the field. So I'm really, really honored to be part of WCAPS, honored to be part of the board and just seeing how it's grown in leaps and bounds in just three years is really amazing. And so I just, I'm really looking forward to seeing how much further it will go with every year following this third year anniversary. So that's all I wanted to say today. And I look forward to the conversation. Thanks, Jasmine. Thanks, Jane. Thank you, Jane. I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to Ambassador Bonnie Jenkins, the one the only to share some introductory remarks for our event. Hi everyone. I had some notes and but I'm not really going to go through those because it really is I mean this has always been something that's come from the heart. Come from the heart because after being in the field of international security, foreign policy for so many years, particularly in the area of nuclear weapons, being one of so few for so long. It was around 2011 when I just kind of said to myself, you know, something has to be done because I'm not going to be in this field forever. I'm not seeing the ones who are coming behind me to take over and we need to fix this. But I also knew that there were people out there. And part of it is that we didn't have a network. We didn't have a way to know who else was there. And so many times I would run into people and they would say, I'm the only one. I feel like I'm the only one. There's no one else. And I said, we have to find a better way for people to know who each other are so that we don't feel like we're isolated, so that we don't feel like we're by ourselves. And there's always strength in numbers and there's always more power in numbers. And I can, you know, we've done a lot of things with WCAP. You'll see all of that with the website. So I'm not, I don't think I need to go through any of them, but I'll just 
just say that everything that has been done has really been because we wanted to be, we wanted to have a, a support system for each other. We wanted to have a safe space where we could talk about things like what happened with George Floyd. Uh, we wanted to have, a, we could amplify the voices of women of color who are just not being amplified. There's so many amazing women in the field and you're not seeing them. That's why it's so important to have, we have a support system for young women in the field, young girls, who are interested in the field to bring them up, but to also continue to realize that if we're going to stay in this field, we have to keep providing them with the basis and the grounding that they need to stay in. Because we know that as women of color, we constantly are running up against challenges and it never ends. That's why we have something called the mid-career hustle, because we spent a membership is a wide range. And you'll realize today that we're starting something called a Gen Z program, really focused on even the younger girls, but our membership is very wide in terms of age range, but there's challenges each way you go. All of your career, having these opportunities to get together and share. And I can honestly say in the past few years, the the energy, the optimism, the perseverance, seeing more of you around, seeing more of you on panel, seeing you publishing on two, three publications. We're getting ready to do two more. Uh, we have another one in the work. People are writing. People are, I'm just seeing all of you around. I'm seeing you do things. And people ask me, how do you measure what you do? I said, just open your eyes. I mean, there's still a long way we have to go. We are not there yet. But I just feel an energy with this organization because it's here and it's growing. And the wonderful work that Fringe 22 has done that, that you'll hear about, Lauren Alfredo, has helped us make our, our presence better because we do so many things and you all know we do a lot of things, but it's hard to get it all on a website. So they are helping with that. So I just want to say we're going to continue to do this. We're going to strengthen. We have a lot that's going on. We have our Orgs and Solidarity Project, which is, has its own legs. We have, we ha I have an amazing board. I have an amazing advisory council. I have wonderful young ambassadors, wonderful chairs from all our different chapters and all our chairs from all our working groups. I have a wonderful staff. Couldn't ask for more. I could always have more money, but I couldn't ask for more in terms of support. So I want to thank all of you. And I want to thank all the panelists and discussants who will be here today to talk a little bit about WCAPS. And just stay tuned because we've been three years. So we have three more and then three more and then three more and then three more. So thank you for this. Thanks for attending. Thanks to my West Coast chapter for, for hosting this first part. And then of course you'll hear some amazing stuff from the second part that Netta's gonna that Netta's gonna leave with our with our fringe twenty-two folks. So I think I'll leave it at that because I want to listen to all of you. Thank you, Bonnie. That was a wonderful introduction. So I want to echo some of the things that you just heard from Ambassador Jenkins. This first portion of our event is going to be a fireside chat, a conversation among some of the foundational members of WCAPS, some of the people who have been here since the start and have helped WCAPS get to where it's going and where it continues to chart new paths. So we're going to have that as the first portion. And then following that, we're going to have a really excellent happy hour where you can kind of let your hair down a little bit depending on your time zone. And that's going to be moderated by Netta. And as Ambassador Jenkins mentioned, it's going to be led by our wonderful design team from Fringe 22. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce a few of our members of this conversation. So first we have some board members. Alana Aquino is the vice chair and board member all three years WCAPS has been in existence. Crystal James has also been a board member for all three years that 
WCAPS has been here. We have uh, Basima Al-Gusain, who has joined us a little bit along the way and has done some really amazing things with getting this organization up and running. We also have, we're also joined by our very first funder from the Compton Foundation, Ellen Friedman. And finally, we have some advisory board members, Ambassador Gina Ambercrombie Wynn Stanley, Sayako Quinlan, who's also a working group chair, and Kara Hernandez, who is also a working group chair. So welcome, ladies. We are so excited to have this conversation with you today. So I want to go ahead and start off with our board members, um, and I'll direct this first question to Alana. How did, when did you first meet Bonnie, and how did you come to join the board? Absolutely. Well, I first met Bonnie at an alumni event. We both attended the Spence School, and they were having an event for alums in Washington, D.C. And wow, she's just full on energy and inspiration. So I definitely had to ask her if we could meet up again. And she said, let's meet. I have this idea I've been thinking about. So we did meet at a local cafe. And I, when I heard about it, it was just the right idea at the right time. Self, my background is in international development and peace building. So I had spent about six, seven years both based in Nairobi working throughout East and Southern Africa and the Horn. And somehow I managed to rise, but in my levels, I was always finding mostly white men as my counterpart. And that extended even into, I was my, I was working for the UN. My main client was the Ministry of Finance for the government of Kenya. And even in the government, counterparts were mostly white males. The Kenyan side, it was mostly males. You had women in there with master's degrees start getting tea. It was crazy. <laughs> wow. So it was just the right time for Yes, for this organ. And then there was me who, you know, I that was not my training was not to get tea. So I certainly wasn't doing that. And I do believe that that actually having someone like me in there who wasn't particularly beholden to that culture around that sort of submissiveness. Actually, I could see after being there a few years, several women within the Ministry of Finance, Kenyan women just rising and taking their claim on the things that they did know and the ambitions that they had. So having powerful women united together, being examples for each other. It's just what WCAPS is about and that's why I joined and why I stay. Excellent. Uh, I want to ask the same question of Basima. How did you first meet Bonnie and how did you join the board? Hi, Jasmine. Thank you so much, everyone, for having me today. I'm so happy to be here. So the way that I first met Bonnie was actually on social media. I am friends with two women who are also in leadership positions at WCAPS. Their name are Laura Coupe and Camille Stewart. And they were colleagues of mine in another organization called the Truman National Security Project. And they're both uh, women of color and they would post really cool things that they had been doing with WCAPS in the early days. I mean, I think at this point it maybe only had like a handful of members. I was always seeing the same faces. And I was just really inspired and interested in what they were doing. And so I sent Bonnie a LinkedIn message. And so I proactively reached out to her and I asked her if she would be open to grabbing a cup of coffee with me. And she was. So we, we met at Kramer Books, which is a local bookstore in Washington, D.C. And we had a cup of coffee and then we had a glass of wine. And then I think we maybe had a second glass of wine. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to get along great. I love this organization. So. 
I got involved then and there, and I am a very proud Palestinian American woman. And my background is I worked in Congress for several years. I worked for a Japanese American woman in Congress. And when I was in Congress, there was no, there were no Arab American women, no Palestinian American women. And actually in all of Congress, I had one friend who was Palestinian American who would lie and tell people she was Lebanese American because of the stigma around being Palestinian, especially working in Congress. And during the time that I was working on the Hill, my boss was on the House Armed Services Committee, which is the committee that oversees the military and funding for the military in Congress. So she was very active on all of those issues. And while I was working in Congress is when there were some very, very severe bombing campaigns against um, the people in Gaza. And you know, it was really hard for me because my boss, even as a Democrat, right, you know, was um, voting for all of these funding packages to just support more weapons and didn't personally agree with, I just didn't really think that that situation required more weapons to be sent. And I remember being really upset and having to excuse myself and going into the ladies' room and crying in the ladies' room to myself. And I was reflecting on my experience and I thought, you know, if you ever wondered what it's like to be a underrepresented minority, imagine what it's like to be a Palestinian American woman in Congress when your boss, a woman you admire and respect, walks past your desk, goes downstairs to the floor of Congress and votes for more funding on the day that you're just seeing, you know, on your social media, people you know living in Gaza posting these just horrific images of what's happening there. And I just, you will never feel you know, more alone, more invisible, more insignificant, more ignored than how I felt that day. And even now, I mean, I'm so grateful, you know, for the Women of Color Advancing Peace and Security because I've found so much fellowship in all of you. But being a significant minority in America, where not only is our Arab Americans a smaller population, but then of a subgroup of Arab Americans, Palestinian Americans are even smaller. So I have had to find a lot of inspiration and fellowship in other communities of color who I admire and respect and look up to. And, you know, for example, my own boss, who is Japanese American, I mean, her own grandfather was in an internment camp. And I remember when people saying to me, you know, it'd say to me things like, oh, it'll never change. You know, the Palestinian people have such, there were like such negative perceptions of the Palestinians. You know, I was sitting at my desk in Congress and I would think, well, the president of the United States is a black and my boss is a Japanese woman. And just a few years ago, not even a few years ago, you know, people would say, oh, this population will never rise or this blah, blah. And history would, has proven those people, the fools, the big, you know, the bigotry, those people, the fools. So the one thing we know about power and history is that power does shift it does change. And so I've just always been very blessed to believe in that. And that's kind of part of the reason why I've always been in politics. But I also think it's really important and like that we have an obligation to just not be only involved in politics, but to be visible because you know, there are some older generations of people who would give me guidance and they would, they were very much like pushing the assimilation card because they just didn't want me to deal with discrimination and, 
you know, but the problem with that is that then that kind of perpetuates negative stereotypes because then the only depictions of Arab Americans or Palestinian Americans or just Palestinians that people see is, you know, terrorism on the news or in media, like in films, because all of these Palestinians who are doing like incredible, making incredible contributions to the world are hiding the fact that they're Palestinian because they don't want to deal with the stigma. But then that alone kind of perpetuates that cycle. So I just think it's very important that we are visible. And I was so blessed that I worked in the Obama administration after I worked on the Hill and I worked at CSIS for a while doing their congressional affairs. And after the Obama administration, I, like many of my peers, you know, just felt very lost because I, of course, was anticipating Hillary was going to win. And I had completely planned out the next few years of my career track along those lines. And I had no idea kind of what to do with myself or where I was going. And I also was very scared that I wouldn't be doing anything that mattered or made a difference. And I, through kind of just a series of events, it wasn't planned, I started doing a lot of television interviews. And I, especially in that space, kind of faced a lot of the issues that the previous panelists discussed, where I had incredible mentors, but they were all white men. So what happened was, is there was a limitation to how thoroughly they could mentor me. Like I would be facing, I would face situations that they had never faced. And so I didn't have anybody to kind of guide me. Like I faced severe, severe sexual harassment, severe just misogyny. And especially me, because like Alana was saying, like I was on te television a lot in the Middle East and I still am. And I'm really happy for that because like even though we have so many gains to make in the United States for women we're so much more advanced than so so many parts of the world and so I'm so thrilled to be able to be a face in the Middle East for Arab young women or around the world but I mean I have just been treated like absolute utter and complete and I would go like I couldn't my male peer or my male mentors just could not just did not face what I was facing. And so there is just going to be a limit to how much they can be of help to you, basically. And, and so I just really believe so strongly in this mission. And, you know, we want to provide mentorship to you all because, I mean, Bonnie has told me in private conversations when she was coming up in the WMD world, it's not that people didn't help her. It was just like that everybody was a white man. So there was just like a cap to how much they could do for you. And, and so that's why I'm just so honored to be involved in the in WCAPS and see all of you all. And I really wanna impart on you a sense of not just you know confidence that you can succeed and you can lead, but I really want to impart on you that you must, that you are desperately needed, that your presence and your voice and your courage and your experience is so desperately needed in these spaces. And I just hope that we can be kind of like, view ourselves almost as like soldiers in, you know, fighting in a revolution. And that, you know, I have so much confidence in knowing that wherever you go in the world, whatever field you pursue, whatever office you're in, you know, that is where you will be.
you will be making those changes in that space and you are so needed. So I just thank all of you for giving your time today to participate in this um, great event and just to be plugged into this organization. Thank you, Basima. I actually wanna take that same concept of coming into different areas and different levels of authority and, and joining together different areas yeah. and um, pass this idea or this question on to Crystal. So I want to talk a little bit, I want you to talk a little bit about how you got involved in this organization. And I think it's important to highlight that you have a very unique merger when it comes to the holistic approach to peace and security. Thank you. And it is an honor to participate with all of these powerful women today. I had the pleasure to meet Ambassador Bonnie Jenkins when she spoke at our One Health Symposium at Tuskegee University back on September 16, 2016. She was actively involved in working in the work of the Global Health Security Agenda, which is a group of 69 countries, international organizations, and non-governmental organizations, as well as private sector companies that have come together to achieve the vision of a world safe and secure from global health threats posed by infectious diseases, which we're now find ourselves in the throes of with this pandemic. And through um, our conversations and her presentation, we might told her about my interest, especially around this concept of redefining national security and how we think about that from a global health perspective. I had an opportunity to travel and meet her at Texas A&M, as well as in Miami, where we had the opportunity to engage with the uh, CARFA, the Caribbean Public Health Agency, that's headquartered in Trinidad and Tobago. And really learning more about how, in collaboration, we can actually work to expand this notion of national security. And we, and I know that it's usually spoken about in the context of a military analysis of a country's goals and needs. But compare when you when you compare the resources that are given to mitigating the global risks such as terrorism and climate change and war on the, the war on the world, it's strikingly little in infectious diseases. And we're now seeing that this is the most significant impact in our society today and our preparedness to address that is our lack of preparedness is being amplified as we see the pandemic taking hold not just in what we would consider to be lesser developed countries but also in some what what are supposed to be some of our global legal leaders so expanding our knowledge and integrating the background that i come from i am a black woman from rural georgia now teaching in rural Alabama and engaging around the issue of health policy, health law, as well as in mitigation on a widespread platform as it comes to COVID-19. Right now, prior to that, I had an opportunity to engage not only around our country, but in some other countries around this whole topic of reframing our national security in the concept of health security in rural America, and rural, as well as specifically using rural Alabama as a, a case example and some of the health disparities that are prevalent here and how they make us way more vulnerable when there are incidents of national concerns like COVID-19. And so having an opportunity to speak with Bonnie and conceptualize some of these things under the framework of the global health security agenda actually helped me be better positioned and to start to think about mitigation and things that we could do for our rural spaces. And I was also definitely continuing to learn from that in that framework as we're actually engaging through this pandemic. The organization, I believe, is an opportunity for young women as well as mid-career women to rethink about their, how they can apply the skills, knowledges, and abilities that they gained in other areas to the, the broadening concept of national security and health security in the United States and to figure out a role that we can play. I have the 
pleasure of serving in my space at Tuskegee as the head of the Department of Graduate Public Health, teaching in a college of veterinary medicine at a historically black college, which is in of itself um, specifically unique, being the only HBCU with a veterinary medical program. We have an opportunity to take a look at zoonotics as well in their impacts on infectious diseases from a completely different perspective. And I try very much to engage our students, which do tend to be mostly women in this space of public health, not only in our program, but in most programs, about how they can expand the, the different areas of their career by also considering how they could be impactful in peace, security, and conflict transformation. So I'll stop there, and I'll be happy to um, engage around any other questions anyone may have about how um, we at the university, in the, in the academic space, as well around health policy, engage WCAPs to move our, not just ourselves, but the next generation forward. Thank you so much, Crystal. So I want to move from the origins of WCAPs, these meetings in bookstores, these conversations and, and chance meetings, and, and move into the world where WCAPs is established. It's, it's a firm idea, and now Ambassador Jenkins is looking for funders because as anyone working in the nonprofit space understands, fundraising is a necessary evil or good of, <laughs> of, of the work that we do. And so finding people who are going to champion a cause and are going to provide financial support is really crucial. And so we're very grateful to have Ellen Friedman with us today. Ellen, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about how you got involved with the organization. Specifically, if you could talk about what inspired you to champion W caps, maybe perhaps what your original thoughts were when Ambassador Jenkins approached you and your thoughts on how the organization has progressed in these past three years. Well, I'm so happy to be here. And um, every time I participate in a WCAPS event, I just am affirmed over and over and over again that our decision now three years ago to make a small grant to help move the organization forward was exactly the right thing to do at the right time. So I just want to put a little context into my comments, which is the Compton Foundation is almost 80 years old, and it was founded in order to end war. And it has had a focus on peace and security from the very beginning of its work. And about five years ago, we started an initiative to advance gender issues in the field of peace and security. And we funded very specifically work to advance a women peace and security agenda. And some of that kind of in anticipation that there might have been a different administration. But in the course of that work, it became very clear that the lack of racial diversity combined with the lack of gender diversity was actually inhibiting that work and not enabling it to move forward. And so we began looking around to see like who was working on this issue of bringing women of color into the conversation about peace and security. And somebody suggested that I have a conversation with Bonnie. And of course, it took place in her beautiful office at Kramer Books Cafe, where she had set up shop and had her iPad out with her PowerPoint presentation. And I knew immediately that she was a woman I wanted to get to know. And, and I think that original conversation struck me in that Bonnie just didn't think about one strategy to bring a network of women of color into more specifically and directly and visibly into the peace and security field. She had multiple strategies. It was mentorship. It was relationship development. It was thought leadership. It was arts and culture. 
and that Bonnie really understood that you had to work at in all of these ways to bring together a strong, powerful network of women of color in the field of peace and security. And that really impressed me. So over the last three years, I've been blown away by the momentum and the growth. I've been struck by how every single one of those strategies, and of course, I was probably one of the people that said to Bonnie, just pick one and figure out where you should go first and build that. But Bonnie went for it all. And, and I think today's event and the work of WCAPS like, is a testament that going for it big time is exactly the right thing to do. I think the thing that I want to highlight to follow up what Crystal just said is that the work that Bonnie began in starting conversations about what is national security, how do we think about national security when there are more than a bunch of white guys around the table. And I think that conversation, I think the first one happened at Brookings a couple of years ago, opened up, I think, a flood of conversations about what is human security? What is national security? How do we think about this differently? And I feel like that conversation in this moment is absolutely essential. And to have WCAPS and the members of WCAPS leading that conversation, I think is also critical. It, we have to challenge the truths in the field. We have to question the framework that has been, that's been directing our foreign policy and our national security work. I think conversation that uh, WCAPS is co-sponsoring with Foreign Policy for America later this week on this topic is really, really important. And I'm thrilled to see that work gaining momentum. I think my final note about like what's inspired me over the last couple of years and watching the evolution of WCAPS is what's happening here. So in Compton's grant making, not just in the peace and security field, but in our support for issues like climate change and democracy issues and reproductive justice, we have been funding what we call leadership, relationship-based networks because we believe that when people get to know each other, when they create networks that are not just like tactical networks, but are deeply invested in building relationships because you want to get to know people, you want to support each other because you have each other's back, that those networks are more resilient in times of crisis than just tactical networks that come together to pass a piece of legislation or to do something very specific they get the project done and then they disappear. But relationship-based networks are networks that evolve and change over time. And as relationships deepen and as people get to know each other, you have an investment in each other's success. And I think that that is such a critical aspect of what WCAPS has built is you've built not just tactical relationships, but you've built deep human relationships. And given the challenges that are in front of us in this moment, I would say kind of amplified in the last few days, we need relationship networks because we need each other. We don't know what's gonna happen, but what we do know is that if we invest in one another, if we invest in one another's leadership, we will be more resilient as crises come at us. We will know who to call when we need help. And it may be somebody that we haven't really worked with before, but because we're in the network together, we trust each other. And so I feel like that Compton's early investment in WCAPS is not just gonna pay off for the short term, 
it's going to pay off over the long term because y'all have been developing relationships with one another. You're committed to each other's success and you're committed to, as Basima said, the visibility of women of color in this work and bringing young women up with you. So I'm just so thrilled to be here. I'm inspired by this work and, and thank you. I just, I guess I would say thank you to Bonnie, but also thank you to all of you for investing your time and your passion into this work because it will make a difference. And it is making a difference in how, how, we un how we evolve in the next days and weeks and months and years ahead. So thank you. Thank you, Ellen. That was really powerful. I love the point about personal networks over tactical networks. And I think it also serves as a really wonderful segue to talk to some of our advisory board members. So obviously WCAPS has created a multitude of different groups from chapters to working groups. And one of the groups that has given vision and direction has been our advisory board. And today, as I introduced at the beginning, we have Ambassador Gina Abercrombie Winstanley, Sayako Quinlan, and Kara Hernandez here to speak with us about their roles in forming this group. And so I want to talk to Ambassador Abercrombie Winstanley first. Welcome. I wanted to talk to you a bit about your role on the advisory board, how you came to be involved with the organization, and specifically, what you look forward to WCAPS achieving going forward. Thank you. You know, as I was listening to the other speakers, and just let me tell you all how gorgeous is this screen of women. I just, it just floats my soul. Thank you. I was trying to remember when and how did I meet Bonnie? And I think, I, I feel like I've just, I've known Bonnie, but it may have been via ICAP. We certainly drank at Kramer, but I don't think that was the first time that we met each other. So I'm not sure. And Madam Ambassador, you're going to have to remind me. I just feel that, that we have known each other because when she told me about this concept and, and what she was starting, I got shivers. And I just thought, oh my God, how prescient, how amazing. Yes, this space is waiting for her and this organization and all of us can tell exactly the same stories of being alone, of needing a cohort. You know, I, when I talk to people, I talk about the importance of traveling with a posse and how supportive, empowering, and courageous it can make us feel as we go forward. And so putting together this organization was brilliant, and I will always just always have the utmost admiration for her foresight in doing so. And, you know, when I heard about it, of course, because I think I'm very special too, I thought, oh, brilliant. I should have thought of that, but I would never have done it even if I thought of it because that's not how I work. All I can do is support everything that she has tried to accomplish and with such an amazing cohort as we see here today, uh, it will continue to go from success to success. She has a vision, a scope that is unbounded. And so it is a privilege to, you know, if Bonnie calls and says, I need you to step up and do this or participate here. Can you mentor? Will you talk to? Oh, you know, the answer can only be, of course, yes, absolutely yes. And she stands for, and this organization allows all of us to do what I know is foundationally important for our nation, for our world, and for us. And that is to pay it forward, to make connections among each other and make sure that we pass on the pearls of wisdom that we have hard fought, gained, and make sure that we share them with others. 
Um, I, you know, I have a daughter who is the age of some of the women that are in this group. She, I adore her and she annoys me wildly because I was not an experiential learner. Somebody could tell me that won't work. And if I could see they were right, I got it. And I'm trying a different way. My daughter is an experiential learner. But for those of you who are smart enough to be able to hear and take advice, unlike my daughter, this organization is incredibly useful. I have learned from advisory members, from board members, and from members. The ability to be a mentor for WCAP's Ashley Burrell, I, I've learned from her. And that learning goes back and forth, and it's one of the strengths of this organization. I have been able to participate in the cyber working group and in the under the title of Redefining National Security, which I push. I had the privilege and pleasure of inviting Bonnie and another advisory uh, board member to come to Cleveland, Ohio, where I'm based currently, to talk about redefining national security. And I can tell you that people are still talking about our presentation that evening. It was in the bastion of Cleveland, Ohio, which traditionally has been a very wealthy, powerful city in prior days, and I believe in the future. And we were in a club that was started in the 1800s for men only. We were not even safe for white men only. They wouldn't let white women except through a side door to have lunch. And we did this presentation on redefining national security, and it was three women of color and, and they continue to talk about that presentation. So they need to have us back and we need to expand on that. So it's just an incredible organization. I've learned for it, from it. I will continue to support it as best I can. And I will say that connectivity, whether, you know, WCAPs through other organizations that support minorities, underrepresented populations in national security, through our unofficial work on an unnamed campaign as we forward diversity and inclusion, and what we hope will be our future in new administration, and some other ways that we are connecting. All of us are connected, and as we build this phalanx of powerful women ready to take our space proudly, firmly, we're connected and yay. So that's what I have to say about WCAPS. Love it. Thank you so much for those wonderful words and that wonderful visual. The phalanx is growing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to um, I want to pass the mic on to Sayako Quinlan. Not only is she a member of our advisory board, but she also serves as a working group chair. So Sayako, can you talk a little bit about your work on the advisory board as well as your role with the working group? Yeah, of course. And I'll also love to start with sharing how I first met the ambassador as I love all these different stories. I actually met her at Georgetown when she was invited to provide a coffee chat. And I remember after the session, myself and another student of color at the university approached her saying how much we were really impressed with all she talked about and really how much it meant to us to see someone like her in the position that she was, the career that she has had. And she mentioned WCAPS and from that I've been involved and it's been quite a great experience. As someone who's earlier in their career, I think that what WCAPS has provided for me is the ability to take on leadership roles that are not necessarily provided with my work experience. Um, I work in cybersecurity consulting. And so what I really appreciate about the organization is being able to leverage my technical skills to help 
folks on the policy side, but also still be engaged in the policy side at the working group for using um, different events, such as like we have a data workshop this Wednesday that I'd love to plug. I believe it's at 7 p.m. Eastern time that the working group is hosting and I'll be leading and providing those and organizing those events and creating those connections have been ways that I've been contributing to WCAPS. And I think for the advisory board, providing that perspective of someone who has a lot to, to take from WCAPS, it's been really great to work with folks who are mid-career or more established in their careers and see the different perspectives we have on what women of color at different phases in their careers need. I'm really excited too about what Bonnie has been saying with the Gen Z group as well, as there's even just more, you know, younger folks, younger women of color that have a lot that they can take from the experiences that we've had. So, you know, the mentorship program, taking a part in that has also been a great way that the organization has been a resource and I think especially for early career folks opens a lot of doors and we do learn a lot of lessons exactly like what ambassador gino was saying that you hearing from the experiences that y'all have had and knowing how to navigate then the conflicts that i see in the workplace right cybersecurity is of course still a very male white dominated field it's it's been an incredibly rewarding experience and also like what the ambassador said whenever ambassador bonnie calls with an opportunity it's like of course i'm gonna say yes like it's such an honor to even have like my name and her thought so WCAPS, I'm forever grateful, really excited to continue to be involved as the growth of the organization, I think has really paralleled just the growth for myself and my career. Thank you so much, Sayako. I want to finish up here the introductory chat with Kara uh, Hernandez. She is also a member of our advisory board and a working group chair. So if you could illuminate for us how you came to meet Ambassador Jenkins, of course, as well as your work with the working group and the advisory board, the floor is yours. Hi, uh, everybody. My name is Kara Hernandez. My pronouns are she, her. And like I said, I'm the illicit trafficking working group member, and I'm currently on Carangua native land here in Texas. I don't actually remember how I met Bonnie. I feel like Bonnie has always been a part of my life since I moved back to DC. I am somebody who, as always, I used to live in Costa Rica, worked for the former government, or worked for the government of Costa Rica formally. And I, diversity has always been something that has always been my second job from, I was 15 years old, trying to find out people to do work, Hispanic uh, National Leadership Institute here in Texas, just being like, this is important. Let me put it on the table. So I don't remember. I know I definitely have been blessed to have a, a Kramer meeting with Bonnie as well, but I can't remember exactly which event. It was definitely something that I was attending, a WCAPS event. And I just kept on coming back and kept on coming back saying, hi, love this work. How can I help? So I just want to thank Ambassador Jenkins for that. I want to thank Netta for this. I want to thank Jasmine for hosting because all of y'all have made such a great community for me to really put my passion into. As you know, Alyssa Trafficking covers a broad range of issues, including drugs, arms, wildlife, human trafficking. So our approach to hone in on these different areas really started with training younger members to using their voice, breaking down these internal barriers that a lot of us have built from it lived experiences, from our familiar experiences, from this historical trauma, listening to experts, even experts that come from untraditional backgrounds, and really giving them a platform and figuring out how people are getting it right. I think it almost doesn't need to be said in this space, but I think women of color are not a monolith, and that's precisely where our strength lies. So women, like the members of WCAPS, both who identify as women or who don't identify as women, all come from different cultural, educational, linguistic backgrounds that all have such great value associated with them intrinsically. And I think that's a, precisely where we derive our power, just from the collective. 
So collectively, our overlapping identities and experiences have given us this insight so we can do our work just a little bit better, more thoughtful, more precise. And I think especially in terms of electric trafficking, you see something, especially with the rise of like environmental de land defenders, many who are indigenous caretakers of land, would not necessarily in the back, back in the day be, oh, this is a, a international security issue. This is an issue about government corruption or illicit financial flows of money. But that's, I think, where we're coming to. That's where these conversations, these discussions, this community is really where we find our strength. So I think talking to members, talking to working groups, really doing that work is what we're bringing to the table and being able to shift quickly and respond to emerging issues that I don't think that I, in my experience, I don't think other think tanks might necessarily have that mobility. So we're really this mobile group of, of folks coming together, talking about our experiences. And, you know, I think that's why other organizations, governmental or agencies should really try to be proactively engaging with WCAPS because we're doing the work. You know, we're building these relationships, we're building the strength within our network from these different fields, from these different perspectives. And we're put, placing value on things that we find valuable and not what maybe a different format might. So by and large, we're still kind of working off this old format where the world was siloed into these very rigid fields that left out several key issues like environment and climate and also purposely left out voices from black, indigenous, and people of color from contributing. So since then, I don't think our world has gotten any smaller by means, but rather the Western world has really started to place value on the interconnectivity of the fields of peace and security. And within that framework, very slowly, but with a lot of change, with a lot of people in this, in this chat who've done the work, to really start putting value again back onto the lived experiences of people of color to create lasting changes in the world. And I think that's what's so powerful. And it is what makes me want to do this work and makes me send out those emails and, and reach out to people and listen to the conversation and look at a million cover letters <laughs> and resumes and really do the work I think that's so interesting and just so vital right now. And so I think if I can contribute to this mission in any way, I'm, I will also answer the phone. And with that, I just want to invite you all. We're having a planning session on September 28th. So if you'd like to join us, I can send you the, the way to sign in. Also, I think this is something that we should all kind of collectively think and personally think how we can urge security agencies, organizations, think tanks who work in these different aspects to reach out to WCAPs to see where they fit into our movement, our movement that respects and celebrates our cultures and languages and beliefs about the natural world and our roles in creating sustainable peace. So I'm very thankful for our partners now. You have done amazing work. I've learned so much. And I think the best thing I've ever got out of WCAPs was just listening and listening to all of you and understanding your perspective. So the world is facing these big challenges and none of these can be fixed in a silo. So I am excited to keep on working with you all. Um, please, I'm gonna put my information in the chat and we can continue that conversation later. Thank you so much, Kara. Um, so I've requested in the chat that if you have any questions for our panelists, you can drop them there. If you'd prefer to send them to me directly, there's a private message function that you can use as well. And I will read those and, and ask them out. And as we're collecting some questions, we want to take a moment to take a group photo because it is very important to memorialize these moments that we're all able to gather together, either in person or virtually. So if you feel comfortable doing so, please turn on your video and we will take a little group shot here. All right, so I'll wait for a couple more to pop up. Oh, this is great. Okay, 
So on the count of three, one, two, three. Are you able to get both screens or just one? Because I know there's two screens here. I don't know how it works. So. so because we have a couple people recording, the a couple of our moderators or hosts are recording, we'll have multiple screens. I flipped okay. through. Well, just curious. Yeah, fingers crossed. But thank you for checking because Zoom <laughs> is uh, an enigma sometimes. It's, <laughs> you never know what you're going to get out of it. So we do have a couple questions coming in here into the chat. So we have one, oh, this is a, a thank you. So I, I will like, I'd like to read this from Sylvia. It says, I'm so inspired listening to you all. Thank you, Ambassador Jenkins and the WCAPS leadership for empowering us. I also wanted to give a shout out and appreciate Professor William Potter who has joined us in this call. Professor Potter has been an excellent mentor to many young people and especially women of color in the national security and nuclear policy field, including myself. Professor Potter has been a great ally and I thank him for his contributions in this space. Thank you for sharing that, Sylvia. And thank you, Dr. Potter. You are truly inspiration and has been a champion of us here on the West Coast and of WCAPS as a whole. So it is, it is truly an honor to have you in this meeting as well. Um, so I've got a couple questions here to share with our panelists. The first one actually deals with the, a topic we were talking about earlier about professional tactical networks versus the personal and drawing strength from the collective. So I want to return back to our board members, Alana, Crystal, and Basima. And I'll actually, I won't direct this to an individual, but any of you that like to jump in on this question. When it comes to building your personal networks and creating those interpersonal connections to uplift women of color in your various fields. What are some ideas that you can share with those here today that they can take with them once this panel is over? If they want to be a champion for up and coming women of color. And by the way, Jane Ree is also here. So she, as oh, a yeah. member, she can also respond. <laughs> hey. I'll, I'll start, I guess, show up. So anytime that there is an event in New York, I, you know, obviously, WCAPS has so many events now all over that one can't be at all of them. Though it would be interesting to be a groupie and just kind of follow it around the world, maybe quit my job and do that. But um, whenever there's a, an event in New York, I go if I can swing it or squeeze it. So I think um, one of the main things that has strengthened my network, which I have to say is an ever evolving <laughs> animal, there's nothing complete about it at all, but it's just, it's just showing up. One of the ways that I found that I've been able to increase my network is just by being engaged in the work. When you are there doing the work of um, that we've talked about in many different in, in other spaces, you meet like-minded people and you're able to build other collaborations and alliances just being intentional about staying engaged in the work. And I would just add to that and say that, you know, definitely show up, but it's also important, as I was kind of saying to you, that earlier, like don't, and I know that this confidence is built over time, but try to push yourself to um, push yourself out of your comfort zone to be present and visible and not just be in these spaces and be a meek mouse. I'm very visible and, and you, and you can make it known that you're somebody who appreciates being reached out to. So like, for example, when I told you guys, I proactively reached out to Bonnie, but I mean, it's always been my nature to, I'm like an extreme extrovert. I have no problem reaching out to people. I love connecting with people, but I do know that that's not everybody's nature. And so sometimes we have to 
push ourselves to do that. But really encourage yourself to. I remember when I was younger, you know, I used to apologize all the time for everything. And I had to kind of train myself not to say I'm sorry so much. And so if you can just make a deliberate effort to proactively say, I'm going to reach out to one stranger or one person on social media a month to try to build a connection. And sometimes, you know, I mean, these things happen organically. You'll meet people and you don't always hit it off with everyone, but at least try and really make a deliberate, deliberate effort to do it. Thank you, Basma, Crystal, and Alana. So I'm going to direct this next question to our advisory board members, uh, Gina, Sayako, and Kara. So talking about this, this concept that uh, Kara mentioned, that women of color are not a monolith, and that is where strength lies. When we oftentimes at WCAPS, we talk about the holistic approach to tackling these tough issues and knowing that there is such a rich diversity of experience and background in our group of women of color that we've assembled here with WCAPS. I'd like you to share your thoughts on perhaps some things that women of color bring and have brought in recent years to the various sectors of peace and security in which you work that um, maybe need to be highlighted a little bit more, maybe individual stories that you'd like to share of achievements of women of color in your fields. Hi. Uh, so this is a lot because like I said, Alyssa Trafficking, there's a lot to talk about. I think what is really interesting work is really being done with women incarceration issues right now, especially as it focuses on looking at micro-trafficking a drug and the, there's like a 400% increase. This is what I worked on previously. And there's a lot of big hitters and a lot of them are trans women who are formerly incarcerated. There's a, a huge network of women looking looking at these issues, looking at themselves, not as victims of, but survivors of, leaders of these movements. And I think that's really powerful. I, my background's in Latin America, so I lean the folks from Latin America, but Teresa Castro is doing very interesting work, looking at these intersections, looking at how all of these work together, giving platforms to survivors, leaders of movements. I think that's extremely powerful work because especially you see this a lot. We all, we had a recently a human trafficking uh, workshop with Fair Girls, an organization based out of DC. And then there was another proponent of what they mentioned was the, when you talk about human trafficking, you're talking about sexual exploitation of women and children, you see them as victims, but not as powerful beings who can change and should be in the room making decisions because their lived experience, their associations with this is really powerful. I think that is a huge part of what I see in trafficking, whether that be conversations with folks, carers of land also with wildlife trafficking, natural resource extraction. This is also really important. So the Maasai women in Kenya and what they're doing to, as indigenous people taking care of the land, what they're doing to combat wild trafficking in Kenya is fascinating. And I don't know why more people are not talking about this model. It's extremely fascinating work that they're doing on using women to not only protect wildlife, but also the park rangers, literally saving people's lives using the power that indigenous um, women have. So these are just many examples, but those are the ones that kind of call to me right now that really I think are great examples of, of how, to, how women of color are useful in giving power to their voice and not using them as tokens to propel an agenda, um, but really that them themselves, their beings are power in itself. 
Thank you, Kara. Any other thoughts from uh, our other advisory board members? Yes, one of the other organizations that I am supporting and involved in focuses on women as peace builders and around the world. And I do a, a call every Thursday morning with, you know, 20, 30 women, depending on who can make it in from Cameroon and Tripoli and Kosovo and somewhere in Syria. I mean, they're all, wherever there is conflict in the world, that's where these women are. And just talking about best practices, what's working with regard to lessening conflict in their areas and also coping with COVID. And I know WCAPS is doing, you know, great work on COVID, but as we all know, this is an issue around the world, whether it is the inability of governments to provide PPE or the rise in domestic violence, or how do you care for people who are already ill and there is conflict on top of that that was already there and might be increasing. One of the women from Yemen was speaking last week and, and it's a way of being inspired on a weekly basis because these women are on the front lines, putting their lives on the line, quite frankly. And you know, as much as we love President Obama and may some love President Trump, frankly, neither one of them deserves a Nobel Peace Prize as much as any one of these individual women and what they are doing on the ground on a day-to-day -day basis. And so that work, and of course, the United States does recognize the importance of women being involved in national security, you know, the women, peace and security legislation here and our support for it at the United Nations, but we do a far better job of talking than walking. And you can see the makeup of the negotiating teams in Afghanistan as an example of something that we said we would insist upon having women, you know, as a significant portion of these teams because women are coping with and dealing with the the impacts of conflict and violence and will be those important voices to ensure that any agreement makes sense, can last and last longer than otherwise. And yet we're not seeing it yet. We're not seeing it yet. So there isn't a single aspect of public life where women's contributions, roles, importance, positive impact is getting enough light. So that's why I didn't have an immediate answer because I'd say everywhere, everywhere, anywhere, we need the lights shown on what we're doing and how we can make things better. Excellent. Thank you so much. So we actually have a couple more questions popping up in the chat. So this one comes from Gabrielle, our fearless leader of a number of projects. She is the co-chair of the International Development Working Group, as well as the Mentorship Working Group, which will come in handy for another question we've received. But Gabrielle's question for the speakers is, other than being connected with the legendary Ambassador Jenkins, what is another cherished connection you've made in this organization, either professional or less formal? In other words, do you have any new BFFs from WCAPS? And anyone, anyone can take this question. Honestly, I would say Nada. <laughs> Nada and I talk, we have so many things in common. I think that's what is really interesting about WCAPS is really like pulling, like we come from extremely different backgrounds. We study different things. We, our families are from different places, but we found so many similarities along the way. And I think that's so amazing. We've also been working in art form initiative. I didn't know Neda painted, I paint, maybe not as, as well, but I paint quite often and kind of really seeing ourselves and really taking a peek behind our kind of professional friends that we use in these happy hours, which I met Neda at a happy hour. 
but I think it's amazing. I think that's really one of the things that it's brought me so much joy. And then we have a new member named Jackie and, you know, she's based on the, the West coast. And so we text all the time now. And it's just one of those things that it's, it's, almost in a, a flag for me in a lot of ways to be like a potential friend on the horizon. Even when I schedule podcasts, I know now to overschedule them because normally we'll end up talking for another hour afterwards on just everything we couldn't cover. Um, but Netta, for sure, I feel like it's definitely somebody who, if I had a birthday party, which I won't for a very long time, but if I ever had a birthday party, she would be invited. That makes my heart so happy. Thank you. I feel the same way about you, Kara, and about so many women in WCABs. I know I haven't come into the conversation yet, but I'm, I'm so honored to share this space with so many of you. I'm going to quickly jump in over here and also give a big shout out to my co-chair and who actually have become one of my closest friends, uh, Warda Amir. I got to know her through uh, WCABs and uh, during our time of over the last three years of uh, co-chairing the CBRN working group together, we've really been each other's support system and worked seamlessly uh, despite our demanding uh, schedules and career otherwise. And it has been an extremely uh, overwhelming experience learning uh, from her. Uh, so I just wanted to give her a shout out. Uh, we, we have been doing a lot of work on CBRN issues together. But aside from that, we're also uh, learning, reading, and sharing notes on Japanese philosophy of uh, self-improvement and uh, essentially having a more uh, voice in uh, on important critical issues. So uh, here's to Wartha and- Thank you uh, so much. Um, this is definitely, I mean, WCAPS connects everyone in many different ways. I do want to uh, scoot on to our last question because I know we're coming towards the end of our time. Um, we received a question says, I'm a new member and I'm interested in participating in the mentorship program. How are mentor-mentee relationships developed? And is this process mainly driven through networking? I actually wanted to circle back around to Ambassador Jenkins to take this last question for us. Could you, could you say it again? Because I missed some of that. My, my connection is not that great, unfortunately. Oh, no worries. A new member is interested in participating in the mentorship program. How are mentor-mentee relationships developed? And is this process mainly driven through networking? Okay. I think I caught, I caught most of that. So the, our mentorship program has been a really good way for us to develop networks, of course. When we were, prior to COVID-19, we used to have a number of happy hours and gatherings. And so that kind of helped develop our network. And then, of course, as we started to advance, we got more members and we got more chapters. You know, our network has started to kind of grow on its own. And we don't necessarily have to be face-to-face -face anymore uh, to develop that network. And the mentorship program, which Gabby has been really helpful, extremely helpful in running, um, is one way in which we have been able to develop our network, but also to develop the program itself. We, we started out last year, the first time we had the mentorship program, we had about 12 matchings. We now have over 100, well over 100. And so we have over 200 people who are part of the who are part of the program. And it also includes some young, um, not just young ambassadors, but we have a pipeline fellowship program, which I'm not going to say a whole lot about because I, I don't want to steal thunder from the review of the website. But we've had a pipeline fellowship program, which brings in even younger people, junior high school people and high school people. And that's how, and that's kind of like the precursor for our GINSER program. But all of these things have helped to develop a network. Um, all of these things we're doing, I mean, the chapters, the working groups, the young ambassadors program, the board, the advisory committee, it's all helped to develop and grow this network. And one thing that's been really good about it 
for me, is just how close we have been able to feel despite the fact that it's a large number of people and we're so spread out. You know, I still feel like this is a very close network and like I feel like I I can touch everybody even though literally I can't. But, you know, it's it's been a, it's one of the foundations, as I said earlier, that I wanted for this group is to have this network, is to have this closeness, is to feel like we know who we can reach out to and talk to. Um, and I think that showed itself when we had the George Floyd incident, as I said, and we all came together. So yeah, it's been great. The mentorship program has been a big part of it. Like the mentorship program is actually going to be a much bigger part of WCAPS because it keeps growing. And we're starting to partner with other organizations that want to be a part of what we develop our mentorship program. I hope that answers the question. It's not perfect, but uh, but thanks for the question. Thank you, Bonnie. We're going to go ahead and close out here. We've got, if you want to share your contact information in the chat or any final thoughts, please do so at this time. As we, as we close up, I do want to direct you to a couple items that will be in the chat. One is going to be a, a survey for WCAPS on the top three issues that you are interested in weighing in on, information about a report on top issues for women of color. The second is going to be an event promotion. So on the 24th of September, we are having an event. I will drop a link to that in the chat as well. We also have our membership form in that will be in the chat. So if you are not yet a member of WCAPS or any of our chapters or working groups, this is a way to get involved. You're able to sign up, provide a little bit of information, and your details will be shared with the appropriate parties. And then finally, I just want to say thank you so much for coming and celebrating this three-year anniversary with us. It is no small thing for an organization, WCAPS, to start from just the brilliant idea of one tremendous individual and become what it has become. So without further ado, keep an eye on the chat for those details. And I'm going to go ahead and transition the event over to Netta and the Fringe 22 team. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, Jasmine and the West Coast team for, for putting together this first part. I really appreciate it. And looking forward now to the website, which went up today. Excellent. Ah, <laughs> Thank you so much, Jasmine, and thank you, Jane, Ellen, Alana, Crystal, Basma, um, Ambassador Gina, Sayako, Kara, um, Noamsa, and everyone in the WCAPS chapters and working groups, and especially to you, Bonnie, thank you so much for your leadership, for what you've created for us, for this whole space that's here. I know that we're so grateful. I know that I'm so grateful. I met Bonnie at a happy hour since we're going with those stories. And I, at that time, really needed a space in DC like WCAPS. And so finding this space was such a blessing for me. My name is Netta. I'm the WCAPS fellow. I'm an attorney in DC. I have been in WCAPS since February. And when I met Bonnie, I think it was around, um, like shortly, just shortly before that. And at the time, I, like I said, I was really searching for a community in DC. And so I'm really honored to be here, to be working with and alongside so many incredible women and to share this space with you all. Ambassador Bonnie always says that she didn't know what to expect when she started WCAPS. But as today's conversation shows us, um, she definitely filled a void that many of us in this field truly, truly needed. Our members are amazing. <laughs> like every member of the WCAPS family is amazing. And when I joined, it was becoming very clear that we needed a better way to showcase everything we were doing and everything that our members were doing to elevate their voices and ensure that women of color are at the forefront of peace and security issues. So the website is central to WCAPS. And as we have moved into this digitized world, it has become even more 
more important. So from the pipeline to the mentorship program, to the projects, to the podcast and everything else we do, it is where the organization comes together in one place. Um, when Bonnie and I began reviewing designers and marketing teams, we met Fringe 22 and there was no doubt that they were it. So I am very honored today to get to introduce Lara Al-Sudani Weeks and Alfredo Weeks, the business team and power couple behind Fringe 22 Studios. Fringe 22 is a design and creative strategy studio that works with organizations that are dedicated to social impact. They thrive on a mission of projects with purpose, and they focus on embracing cultural diversity to unite people, inspire minds, evolve stories, and change perception. They are everything that we at WCAPS needed. Lada is an eclectic and vibrant designer who brings intense passion to every project she pursues. Understanding the need for more purposeful and relatable design, Lada has shown a particular interest in projects aimed towards the greater good. So prior to committing to her entrepreneurial journey, Lada's career ranged from a senior web designer at Lane Bryant to a senior graphic designer at PNM, a boutique agency that works on political strategy and design. Lada takes a sincere approach when using her experience as an Arab American to encourage the support of stronger communities by organizing fundraisers and art programs and joining the Creative Babes Board and advocating for a more inclusive world. Fredo is a creative strategist with a strong background in building projects from the ground up. He believes that culture is at the core of creative strategy and in order to embrace the big picture in every project, in order to embrace the big picture in every project. Committed to his entrepreneurial spirit, Alfredo has achieved a particular milestone in his career from fine arts to graphic design to copywriting. He has collaborated with industry professionals to bring social justice and creative vision to life. Today, Alfredo chooses to pay it forward through spreading his raw industry knowledge as a mentor, a public speaker, and an adjunct professor at the Columbus College of Art and Design. I feel so privileged to know you both personally as well as professionally and to know the genuine soul that you bring into this work. I know that I have been blessed to share this journey with you as your friend and now as your colleague too and to intertwine our worlds and advocacy and racial and social justice and women's rights and that everything we have bonded over for years into this project together with that, I know that we at WCAPS are also so thankful to you um, for all the work you have done. You have created a brand for us and you have taught us so much about design and art and how your expertise can tell our stories in one cohesive way. So I will turn it over to you both. Thank you so much, Lara and Alfredo. Thank you, Nada and Ambassador Jenkins. Uh, this is, I cannot remember exactly who it was, but somebody said this screen just looks beautiful and it, it really does. It's so inspiring inspiring to just see so many women of color come together and and do work that's so important for our community and, and it just been a wonderful experience working on this website I mean we started five months ago so I cannot even believe that it's it's done but we started in April we have went through our basic process of developing a website, but I feel like every step of the way, we have been learning too, to just make sure that we can give WCAPs exactly what they need. It's not your traditional organization. It's not a traditional business model. There's so much happening and we had to find a way to make sure that we can fit it all into one landing page where you get all of the information that you need. So it was a challenge, but Nada and Ambassador Jenkins have been a pleasure to work with. And I mean, we don't, we don't want it any other way. 
it, it has been it has been great and it's the, the transition from the before to after I'm, I'm pretty sure that all of you if you have visited the site which is live now have you can see the difference and and our collaboration made that happen just to just to say thank you for welcoming us into this space and ambassador jenkins it's been a real experience a lot of the time it's been a lot of camera experiences for me <laughs> <laughs> handling the kids behind the scenes and everything while while there are great conversations <laughs> happening really at the beginning we had to ask ourselves how do we how do we maintain this uh, the stature as well as experience when when creating this website? And we, we had to you know always try to step back and see what we're actually doing with the WCAPS website, with the WCAPS brand, and to make sure that this isn't just a formative site, but it's also a site where people can see it as a resource, a resource to gain connections, networking, and Laura and I get your, your emails often. <laughs> and we, we, we realized that the WCAPS brand is something that you, you just don't see. I've searched, I've looked around online, and you don't see many organizations that even do half the work that WCAPS is doing. And so it's a real honor to be a part of this. I was mentioning the other day to Ambassador Jenkins how with my, with our two little girls, Bundle of Energy, uh, two and four, I can only hope to see this organization in the next coming decade, two decades, to where they can get involved in uh, and participate in these kind of discussions. So I think the real challenge would just really uh, seeing how we can develop a brand that would, that would last and that would be able to push forward the WCAPS initiative and vision as well as mission. Thank you. And I would just, I just want to add, and I don't want to take any time away from the, from the presentation, but I just want to make sure that for people, because I know people have to leave a certain time between now and five, I just want to make sure everyone knows how much I appreciate what you did and with the website. And of course, we'll continue to work together. So it's not the end. But I remember the one thing I said was we have so much stuff in our website. How do you tell us, how do you get it all in one and tell a story? It all has to tell a story. It all has to be connected. And I and I know I was chat I was like, I don't know how you're gonna do this, but I remember early it's like, oh, we can get everything on the first page. Everybody can see everything you're doing. So thank you so much for doing that. Cause I know it was not easy to do that. So I don't want to take any more time. I just want to make sure I said thank you. I just wanted to add real quick that I really have to uh, take my hat off to my wife, uh, my business partner, as well as uh, best friend that, you know, just with organizing and as well as spearheading this, uh, this project on our end, uh, you know, you did an amazing job and uh, we, we, we continue to hope and, and pray that uh, uh, this WCAPS and French 22 partnership and collaboration grows into bigger and better things. So I think that I can, Thank you. Appreciate you. <laughs> I mean, this, 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 this thing doesn't happen with it, with one or the other. I mean, it's always this 50, 50 collaboration. And I feel like we always talk about whenever, when we started this contract with WCAPS, it was, you know, we looked at it as a client in the beginning, but then we were like, this is, this is something that's so much bigger. And this, this networking and this collaboration that we're doing is involving men that's what I was trying to get to is that involving men in this organization is also super important. And, you know, I could have done it without you. You could have done it without me. And we could have not done it without, you know, Ambassador Jenkins and Nada and the whole community of WCAPS. So I think, I think that's all I have to say.
<laughs> so I will take it on from here and I'll walk you through the website. And uh, if you can open up your screen and go to WCAPS.org, or you can just look at our screen. I'm going to share mine. Can everybody see my screen? Right. Yes. Okay. So this is the new homepage. So I'll just do a little bit of um, kind of background on this specific logo mark, because I think that we, we did take some, uh, we wanted to put in as much thought behind what the brand represents before even approaching the website and the aesthetic of the website. And we wanted to make sure that the people who are a part of the pipeline, a part of the working groups, the team members, uh, everybody that is included here is represented with one very small mark and it can stand on its own and it can have the power that it has currently. We wanted to showcase women of color, black women, the hair, the hijab, the, you know, every little aspect of this new logo mark, it just represents the individuals a part of this organization. Um, so on the homepage, you have, once you scroll down, you get to read about what WCAPS is, visit the team, go to the about page and learn more about the vision and mission in the chapters. You get to become a member, and then this was one of the big aspects of the website is how can we showcase that WCAPS is the very first organization to talk about redefining national security. Um, so we wanted to highlight that on the homepage as well. Uh, you can access the working groups, the pipeline or the chapters from here. You get to learn about the women who were involved in the COVID-19 work on this page again there is so much happening so we had to include the mentorship program the events the every woman matrix you get to visit the podcast from here the art forum that kato was talking about earlier and this big project orgs and solidarity which will have its own website also have a page on this website this is one of the most recent policy papers that were published by WCAPS, so you get to read the report or view all of the publications that were written by WCAPS and the women who are involved in the pipeline you have all of the blogs that were published on the existing site. They are transferred onto this site currently. You also get a feature of, we have the August Woman of the Month, and hopefully by next, by next month, we will have the September Woman of the Month that Ambassador Jenkins picks from the women in, that were, are a part of the network. And then the footer is also super important. There's so many different resources that you can use here. You can go to all of the different pages in the navigation. You can also contact the organization. You can join and become a member. And as Ambassador Jenkins was talking about, we, you need funders at this point. And I say we, because we have been, we have been so involved with WCAPS that it just, at this point, it just represents who we are as well. So it's a we from now on. So you get to, to donate to WCAPS from this button. Uh, this search bar is very functional. You can look up any individual or page that you'd like to visit. For example, if I put in COVID-19, you'll get a dropdown and you can read about either articles that were written about COVID-19 or individuals that work in the COVID-19 space. And then this bottom footer is also very helpful. You get to look at what careers WCAPS and other organizations offer and job openings. You get to go to the archives and um, either watch videos or look at what the organization has done in 2018, 2019, and 2020. 
you get to read about all of the different policy contributions and the documents that were published by WCAPS, listen to the podcast, go to the Redefining National Security page, Orgs and Solidarity page, and soon website, um, and the COVID-19 page. All of our social media is here and here, and then you can also go back to the homepage from this logo down here. So if there's any interest in looking at a specific page, like feel free to put that into the chat. We can go through that. But I'll walk through some of the ones that were the most extensive and we put more kind of emphasis and, and thought behind the design and aesthetic and approach to these web, to these pages. So this is the about page. Um, you have the vision and mission of WCAPS. You get to toggle in between pages here by looking at events, meeting the team, or becoming a member. Again, a highlight on the redefining national security work. Um, this one is, is special because there's it's not just the Washington DC headquarters that were involved in this. There's also the chapters from all around the world. So I'm going to just click on the West Coast so you can see how that page looks like. We have the information about what they do and how they do it. To contact the West Coast chapter, you get to learn more about the members who are a part in running the chapter. We saw Jasmine introducing everybody earlier and running the event. And then if there's any events that are part of the, uh, of, of like an individual chapter, you get to see that here. You get to visit all of their social media, sign up to for the, the specific chapters newsletter. And then this button will take you back to all of the chapters. So, so then I'm going to go to the team page where most of you are featured and in a bunch of other individuals as well. So we have the staff here. Each staff member has their own bio. You get to learn about them um, and read about them. You have the board of directors. You have the advisory council all of the chapter chairs, the young ambassador leadership, the working group chairs, and that's it for that page. So everyone that has been a part of this organization doing the work that is making a difference can be found here. And feel free to go to the website, click on someone's, let's just say Gabrielle. If you click on Gabrielle's page, you get to read about her and you get to visit her LinkedIn page. But then as soon as you click on this URL, you can share this link with other people or you know you can just share it on social media and tell people about who this person is and what they have contributed to w um i'm going to go to the working groups this was a big one for us too so we wanted to highlight the working groups as much as possible so to do that we have taken initiative to design an icon specifically for each working group so you get to see the representation of the cbrn or climate change your defense intelligence, entrepreneurial leadership using the same logo mark that's in the logo, human rights, and, and even outer space, which is a working group that's coming soon, and peacemaking. Um, so this is supposed to be a representation of what that working group does in a visual and fun way. So it can kind of just give you a little bit more of um, like a the work is very serious, but at the same time, these icons just not just elevate, but also can try to simplify what is being represented on the site. So let's just say I want to click on and view one of the working groups. I can go to, let's look at climate change. So once you click on that, you have 
uh, your landing page for climate change working group. Again, the URL can help if you are the co-chair or you would like to share this working group with someone, you can go to this page, highlight this URL and share it. You get to read about the mission, the purpose, the goals of this working group, and then you can do that for the other ones as well. So another big part of this uh, website was the pipeline of experience. So um, I believe that one of our uh, collaborators is on this call. I'm not sure if he's still on or not, but his name is Aditya Tuse, and he is a UI UX de uh, designer and developer. So another shout out to, to an amazing just collaborator that was able to take all of the members of WCAPS, which is almost a thousand people strong at this point, and upload them to the site. So if you have ever filled out the membership, you will be featured on this website. Currently, I believe there's about 900, but it, the, the list is growing every single day and it's amazing to see. So thank you, Adi, for doing all of this work. It's definitely has brought this website together and, and even elevated it more. So let's just say I want to find someone that works in immigration, migration, and refugees. If I click on that, I get to look at all of the individuals that are a part of this pipeline. There's so many more here, so I can just keep downloading more of the WCAPS members. Once you click on one of them, it will go to their LinkedIn page, excuse me, and you get to read more about them, contact them in that way. And then same thing on all of the other pipelines. So you can view that from this page by clicking on one of these buttons, or you can hover over this dropdown and select the working group, select the working group that you are trying to look up and, and find the individual that, uh, whether you want them for a virtual event or you want to hire someone in that space. So this is super helpful to be able to um, find the, the person that you'd like to um, work with. So another one, of the drop downs here that is called um, projects. So you have a mentorship program, which is Ambassador Jenkins was talking about that earlier. Um, we, you can visit this page and learn about what this program is. You can contact WCAPS or become a member. The Young Ambassador Program has its own page as well. So it has its vision and mission and all of the leadership that is a part of this uh, program. You can also uh, join and become a member or you can contact the Young Ambassador Program by emailing them. The Gen Zier Program also has its own page. Uh, same thing here where you can read about the program and then apply to the Gen Zier Program which has its own membership uh, landing page. I'm going to skip Women of the Month for a second. So Empowering the Pipeline also is basically an, an archive of all of the events and speaking engagements and you know press releases and, and any kind of engagement that WCAPS has been a part of to empower the pipeline can be found here. The Every Woman Matrix is another initiative that WCAPS is spearheading. So you can read about that here. You can learn about the women who are part of this work. And then there is the manifesto that walks you through who the Every Woman Matrix is and you can become a part of that by clicking on this button. So then we have the Orgs in Solidarity, which as I mentioned, will have its own 
website. Um, but at this point, you can visit this page, read about what the UK and the headquarters team has put together and the work that they have been doing. You can read about the statements that uh, the organizations who are part of this are committing to and you get to join the organizations and visit the Twitter from this page. Policy contributions, so everything that has been written by WCAPS can be found here. As soon as you land on the page, you get all of these different uh, very small icons. You can easily enlarge them by clicking this button or you can scroll through them here if you feel like you wanna see how many pages is in each document and whatnot, and then we have the art forum, which uh, Kata was talking about, collaboration with NEDA. We were able to put together this page to really represent what the WCAPS art forum does. So from the podcast that you can listen to on this page to learning about the artists that, are, that have been featured, visit the organizers LinkedIn, you can um, also look at all of the archives that has been created where WCAPS have either launched exhibits like reorientations in New York uh, last year or anything else that WCAPS has been involved in in the art world can be found on this. So then next we have the podcast. So the podcast had its own website as well and we really wanted to make sure that it's featured on one website where all of the work comes together. So when you land on this page, which is wcaps.org backslash podcast, you get to listen to all of the podcasts that have been put out by WCAPS, whether it's on the Vive podcast or at the Seat at the Table uh, playlist. You could also listen to the male mentorship playlist or the art and policy playlist that was featured on the art forum. And then lastly, here is the pioneers. So this is a page almost just paying homage to the women who have done this before, who are part of um, bigger things, uh, who have really spearheaded movements and just changed perceptions and, and did all of the work that we as WCAPs are still uh, pushing today. So some of them are still with us, some of them are not. And we wanted to give this page a little bit more of an emphasis, like the purple background, the, the images being bigger with this overlay, just to, uh, just to pay homage to all of these women who have done such good work over the years. So going back to the Women of the Month, if you have ever been featured as a Woman of the Month on the old WCAPS website, you will be able to find your image and your bio here. So you get to read about 2020 Women of the Month. You can look at 2019 Women of the Month. And each person has its individual page uh, with a bio and a photo. And you get to read about them there. So I'm going to go to 2018 and I'm going to click on, who do we have with us on the call right now that can be found here? Crystal. <laughs> so you, when you click on Crystal, you see her image, you see her bio. She's the November 2018 Woman of the Month. Um, when you scroll down, you get to toggle in between, go back and forth to learn more about all of the women who are involved and were chosen to be Woman of the Month. So then uh, that will be it for projects. So all of these pages that I have walked you through is under the projects navigation with all of the dropdowns. So then if you go to articles, uh, this page has all of the articles that were published by WCAPS or WCAPS members, whether it's on the WCAPS platform or a different platform. So you get to load more 
there's quite a few in here. So there's a robust amount of information that you can read about different issues in national security, um, CBRN, climate change, diversity and inclusion work. So this is all of the content um, that WCAPS and, and members have written. So if I click on one of the articles, I get to read about it and I can share it from this link. But then if you scroll down, you get that same user experience where you can share it with other people or on your social media accounts. You can also toggle in between, go back and forth between the different uh, articles. And then lastly, we have the events. So this event, for example, has been up on the site. Any future events that Jasmine has mentioned uh, can be found here. So if you go to the website, wcaps.org backslash events, you can click on the Paris chapter launch event, and then you can register here, or you can share it with anybody else by, again, grabbing this link and pasting it anywhere. And you can toggle in between the different events that are happening, like the Orgs and Solidarity Career Fair, you have the International Development uh, event, there's the SWANA launch, the working group launch, and so on. And then uh, this is also reiterating all of the social media icons can be easily taking you to the social media pages. And if you click on the donate button, you get to open up a donation page that has brand cohesion and brand aesthetic that represents the new brand that we have created um, and donate and become a funder. And I believe that that, oh, let me walk you through these actually. So the careers page has been, have been doing great. I mean, we just launched yesterday night. So already people are submitting applications to these two positions that WCAPS has open, which um, is also exciting to just see this come to life. You have, if you know someone who is a CRM consultant, you can grab this link and share it with them. And they're able to put in an application, upload their resume, upload a letter of interest and submit. And this will immediately go to the WCAPS team. And then we also have the archive, which if you remember, the old site had a lot of information. So we wanted to, even if it doesn't fit under one of these categories up top or in the bottom footer, we wanted to make sure that it has a place. So right now, if you go to, let's just say 2019, 2019 has an archive of all of the events, whether it's a press release, whether it's an event flyer or just pictures from gatherings and engagements. You can click on one of them and scroll through the different pages, the different uh, images on this page. So there's quite a lot that has been going on in 2019. And if you go back all the way up to the site and go back to all archives, the video archives is also super helpful because you can find the videos that have has either been created by WCAPS or used on the website in some way as inspiration, like some of the art forum work that has been published on the old site can be found here. And then I believe that is it. Let me see, the, the documents has also a page of all of the publications. So it's very similar to how the policy contributions looks like. But yes, that is it. I don't have anything else, but if you have any questions, I'm going to look into the chat to see if anybody has put in any questions in here. Laura, just looking at that makes me exhausted. <laughs> Can you imagine how we feel? We feel great at this point. Yeah, I mean, I gotta be, I mean, I tell you, I was, I was so, you could get it all in a way that, that everything that, that WCAPS does can be really highlighted. And so, 
as I said, it was all so buried in the other website that people had no idea what we were doing because you couldn't find it. Um, so thanks for thanks for doing that. I mean, it's just amazing how you were able to make it so much more visible. So. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for making us be a part of this. It's been a great experience. So I don't see any uh, questions. I'm going to pass it back to Nada. Um, and if there's anything else that comes up, I'll be here to answer. This is so beautiful, Lara. And like Bonnie said, I feel like looking at that, you can see how much information had been on the site and it was exhausting. And so for you to put it into this form is just amazing. And so I don't think any of us can thank you enough. This has been such a beautiful journey. We are so appreciative of you. And with that, Bonnie, I'm actually just going to hand it over to you for closing remarks. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us here today. Thank you for being part of Three Cheers for WCAPS. Thank you, West Coast, Jasmine, so much. You really put this together. And I, like, especially thank you, Jasmine. So, and Bonnie, I will leave it to you. Um, well, not much more to say, except I, mean, I just keep saying thank you. There's so many thank yous for individuals, for um, the team, for the staff, for the website. None of this can happen without all of you. And, you know, each and every one of you have played a role in this. And it's so exciting that, you know, I, I, I know more women of color now than I think I ever have in my life. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I went through, I, my career was just, like I said, it was just, there was really nobody in, in field. And then, you know, slowly starting to see more, more of you. And now with this organization, it's like, it's like night and day in terms of how many women of color are out there. So you are all amazing. Um, you're all doing such great work in your, in your own time with promoting peace and security, the things that you do every day, the things that you do for WCAPS. I can't thank you enough. I couldn't do any of this without you. A special thanks to all the, everyone who's in a leadership role, whether it's board or advisory or, or chapter or working group, the time that you put into this and the energy that you put into this is why WCAPS is really becoming well-known. I mean, people are starting to know about us and people are starting to know what we do. And every time we have a new working group or a new chapter, it's more, it's more women that I can work with. So thank you for what you do. I mean, and we'll, we'll, we'll do this again next year and hopefully keep doing it in the future. And if there's any, we welcome ideas, we welcome suggestions, we work, we welcome things that we need to fix. You know, we are open to all kind of input. So don't ever feel shy about saying, you know, do we think this could be better or we have the suggestion. We welcome all thoughts. So um, I, with that, I just want to say thanks again uh, to everybody. And I'm looking forward to another, another three years and won't be just three years. Can put in okay. So thanks everyone. Take care. Appreciate it. Don't forget to do the survey. <laughs> wait, before, wait, before everybody gets off, <laughs> I've yeah. been lobbying in all my private messages to say one thing before everybody gets off. We have three okay. minutes left. Sure. So I wanted to leave you, leave you all with two um, really inspira inspirational quotes that I've drawn upon at many junctures throughout my career to keep me going when I feel down, when I'm facing challenges that I'm not sure I'll overcome. And one of the quotes is from Marianne Williamson. And the quote is, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that frightens us most. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. 
your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And when we let our light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. So that was one quote I wanted to share with you. I don't know if you've heard it before, but I love it. And then one other quote that I was kind of alluding to earlier, I am right that we have two minutes left, right? On the clock. <laughs> is from Kavita Ramdas, who is a human rights leader and a woman of color who graduated from my college, Mount Holyoke College. So shout out to Seven Sister Women's Colleges. And she delivered this um, speech at Mount Holyoke and the end of it just has stayed with me for years. So she finishes her speech by saying, we need women who are so strong, they can be gentle so educated they can be humble so fierce they can be compassionate so passionate they can be rational and so disciplined that they can be free we need uncommon women for these uncommon problems and how deeply reassuring to me it is to know that wherever we go there you will be so i'm going to leave that with you guys great thank you so uh, thanks everyone and a happy anniversary WCAF and go forth and we will continue to work together everybody. Thanks a lot. Thanks for those words, Basama. Bye-bye.